Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Walter. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I am pretty sick today. I have uh, COVID, and my head is a little swimmy. Um, pretty tired and weak, and I do not feel like doing a reading tonight, but I have been talking about the Nauvoo Expositor, and I'm asking people if they've read it, and most people know about it, but they never took any time to actually go see what it has to say, so I think that we're just going to be listening to the reader program, and... This program probably won't be very long. Uh, the phone lines will be open, but uh, we're just going to uh, do part one of the Nauvoo Expositor, Expositor today. And as I have comments, I will pause the reader program and comment on whatever it is, because I am reading along with the reader program as it's reading it to us all. So, anyway, um, I'll get back to polygamy in the Bible probably next Monday, which puts us off a little bit. Um, The next one, when we get back to polygamy in the Bible, will be Moses, the life of Moses. So, and I will continue to do these programs as long as I can still breathe correctly. And I don't think the corona is affecting my lungs, um, but it is causing other problems. So, anyway, let's get into this. Thank you for listening. The Novum Expositor had a single issue published. The events surrounding its publication lead to the martyrdom of Joseph and Hiram Smith. The full text is provided below for study. Full text begins here, Novum, Illinois, June 7, 1844. We give this week to the following preamble, resolutions and affidavits, of the seceders from the church at Novum. The request is complied with on account of their deeming it very important that the public should know the true cause of their dissenting, as all manner of falsehood is spread abroad in relation to the schism in the church. In our subsequent numbers several affidavits will be published, to substantiate the facts alleged. Hereafter, no further church proceedings will appear in our columns, 
except in the form of brief communications. Dash head. Preamble it is with the greatest solicitude for the salvation of the human family, and of our own souls, that we have this day assembled. Fain would we have slumbered, and, like the dove that covers and conceals the arrow that is preying upon its vitals, for the sake of avoiding the furious and turbulent storm of persecution which will gather, soon to burst upon our heads, have covered and concealed that which, for a season, has been brooding among the ruins of our peace, but we rely upon the arm of Jehovah, the supreme arbiter of the world, to whom we this day, and upon this occasion, appeal for the rectitude of our intentions. If that God who gave bounds to the mighty deep, and bade the ocean cease, if that God who organized the physical world, and gave infinity to space, be our front guard and our reward, it is futile and vain for man to raise his puny arm against us. God will inspire his ministers with courage and with understanding to consummate his purposes, and, if it is necessary, he can snatch them from the fiery furnace, or the lion's den, as he did anciently the three Hebrews from the former, and Daniel from the latter. As for our acquaintance with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we know, no man or set of men can be more thoroughly acquainted with its rise, its organization, and its history, than we have every reason to believe we are. We all verily believe, and many of us know of a surety, that the religion of the Latter-day Saints, as originally taught by Joseph Smith, which is contained in the Old and New Testaments, Book of Covenants, and Book of Mormon, is verily true, and that the pure principles set forth in those books, are the immutable and eternal principles of heaven, and speaks a language which, when spoken in truth and virtue, sinks deep into the heart of every honest man. Dash its precepts are invigorating, and in every sense of the word, tend to dignify and ennoble man's conceptions of God and his attributes, sick. It speaks a language which is heard amidst the roar of artillery, as well as in the silence of midnight, it speaks a language understood by the incarcerated spirit, as well as he who is unfettered and free, Yet to those who will not see, it is dark, mysterious, and secret at the grave. We believe that all men, professing to be the ministers of God, should keep steadily in view, the honor and glory of God, the salvation of souls, and the amelioration of man's condition, and among their cardinal virtues ought to be found those of faith, hope, virtue and charity, but with Joseph Smith, and many other official characters in the church, they are words without any meanings attached worn as ornaments, exotics noted for display, virtues which, throwing aside the existence of a god, a peace, happiness, welfare, and good order of society, require that they should be preserved pure, immaculate and uncorroded. We most solemnly and sincerely declare, God this day being witness of the truth and sincerity of our designs and statements, that happy will it be with those who examine and scan Joseph Smith's pretensions to righteousness, and take counsel of human affairs, and of the experience of times gone by. Do not yield up tranquilly a superiority to that man which the reasonableness of past events, and the laws of our country declare to be pernicious and diabolical, we hope many items of doctrine, 
as now taught, some of which, however, are taught secretly and denied openly, which we know positively is the case, and others publicly, considerate men will treat with contempt. For we declare them heretical and damnable in their influence, though they find many devotees. How shall he, who had drank of the poisonous draught, teach virtue? In the stead thereof, when the criminal ought to plead guilty to the court, the court is obliged to plead guilty to the criminal. We appeal to humanity and ask, what shall we do? Shall we lie supinely and suffer ourselves to be metamorphosed into beasts by the serum tongue? Games without our country and our God require that we should rectify the tree. We have called upon him to repent, and as soon as he showed fruits meet for repentance, we stood ready to seize him by the hand of fellowship, and throw around him the mantle of protection. For it is the salvation of souls we desire, and not our own aggrandizement. We are earnestly seeking to explode the vicious principles of Joseph Smith, and those who practice the same abominations and whoredoms, which we verily know are not accordant and consonant with the principles of Jesus Christ and the Apostles. And for that purpose, and with that end in view, with an eye single to the glory of God, we have dared to gird on the armor, and with God at our head, we most solemnly and sincerely declare that the sword of truth shall not depart from the thigh, nor the buckler from the arm, until we can enjoy those glorious privileges which nature's God and our country's laws have guaranteed to us freedom of speech, the liberty of the press, and the right to worship God as seemeth us good. We are aware, however, that we are hazarding every earthly blessing, particularly property, and probably life itself, in striking this blow at tyranny and oppression, yet notwithstanding we most solemnly declare that no man, or set of men combined, shall, with impunity, violate obligations as sacred as many which have been violated unless reason, justice and virtue have become ashamed and sought the haunts of the grave, though our lives be the forfeiture. Many of us have sought a reformation in the church, without a public exposition of the enormities of crimes practiced by its leaders, thinking that if they would hearken to counsel, and show fruit meet for repentance, it would be as acceptable with God, as though they were exposed to public gaze. For the private path, the secret acts of men, if noble, for the noblest of their lives. But our petitions were treated with contempt, and in many cases the petitioners spurned from their presence, and particularly by Joseph, who would state that if he had sinned, and was guilty of the charges we would charge him with, he would not make acknowledgement, but would rather be damned, for it would detract from his dignity, and would consequently ruin and prove the overthrow of the church. We would ask him on the other hand, if the overthrow of the church was not inevitable, to which he often replied, that we would all go to hell together, and convert it into a heaven, by casting the devil out, and says lie, hell is by not means the place this world of fools suppose it to be, but on the contrary, it is quite an agreeable place. To which we would now reply, he can enjoy it, he is determined not to desist from his evil ways. But as for us, and ours, we will serve the Lord our God. It is absurd for me. Okay, so that's been 10 minutes getting into it. I just, 
it just irritates me, these self-righteous hypocrites that think that that they have any right to speak out against Joseph Smith, like um, charging him with crimes that were alleged that he did not commit or that were not crimes. Also, um, Joseph Smith, and I know if you're a, if you're like in the mainstream church, you don't know these things, but um, according to journals, Joseph Smith used to smoke cigars and drink whiskey and drink wine. And he used to ride around on the horseback in Nauvoo with the gold fat cigar hanging out of his mouth. And he did things because he didn't want people to worship him. So he didn't care as much about his self-image, but he wanted people to turn to God, which was what he went to God in the grove. He wanted to turn to God himself. And when he became a messenger of God on the earth, he wanted other people to turn to God. And people were trying to idolize him, and he would do things which... which... uh, I don't know, how do you say, offend the Puritan mind, I guess, or the Victorian mind, you know, and, um, you know, he fist fought, he had a whiskey bar in Nauvoo, and a lot of people don't know that, uh, Orrin Porter Rockwell was the bartender, and Joseph Smith owned the bar, of course, The word of wisdom didn't become a commandment until Heber J. Grant, so it wasn't a big deal to drink whiskey or bourbon or have coffee or any of that stuff or smoke tobacco. I know you guys were told part of the story, but the church is really good at just giving you part of the story because they don't want you to know the full truth. But anyway, so these men who wrote the novel Expositor, they had beef with Joseph Smith over many things that the devil had had gotten them to believe was some kind of offense. And isn't that how it always works with true prophets? Like these individuals, they, I believe they probably knew that Joseph Smith was a true prophet, but then when he didn't perform to their expectations they would have had to have said to themselves well he's a fallen prophet we shouldn't follow him anymore we shouldn't listen to him he he was true when he agreed with us but as soon as he doesn't agree with us then all of a sudden he's not true anymore and um he you know joseph smith said getting anything into the minds of the saints is like using a corn dodger for a wedge and a pumpkin for a beetle or a hammer um, and trying to use that corn dodger for a wedge to split a hemlock knot which is a uh, hemlock is really 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 hard wood and a hemlock knot is ridiculous you know because that's the head that is the the mind of the saint is not open to what God has in store for them and a lot of people will say those horrible Nauvoo saints and Missouri saints, and they'll condemn them up one side and down the other, but 
we're just as hard-headed in our own thoughts and our own minds. And, like, God has shown me so much. And, like, the stuff that I have seen and the stuff that God has given me, like, it would just blow most people's minds. And they don't even, they're not even ready to hear it. Like, you think that Zion is ready to be redeemed when your minds are so blocked up and you, you've got so many interpretations of Scripture that are wrong. And then, um, and then you wouldn't even be able to accept some of the stuff that God has given me that's true. You know, and it's the same with Joseph Smith. He wanted to give them more, but they just couldn't handle it. And as soon as they... Um, saw some weakness in Joseph or they had some disagreement, you know, uh, they had to make it in their mind where Joseph was just a fallen prophet and he was just going to go to hell and he just wanted to make a hell or a heaven out of hell, um, you know, and it's just sickening. And I understand Joseph in the fact that all of the leaders with the exception of maybe a few, would argue with him on points of doctrine. Like, never mind that he's the Lord's anointed. Never mind that God has shown him a whole bunch of stuff. You know, these these elders that are too big and too wise to be taught, they have to argue with everything, even if Joseph is the one who is telling them that God gave it to them. And it's the same thing with myself in this time that I am on the earth. The people just argue up one side and down the other. And I have been doing this. Well, 2013 was when God had me sever the ordinances of all the holy people and to organize the Church of the Living Messiah. That was July of 2013 and then God asked me to uh, do do these podcasts to uh, you know as a part of a, the school of the prophets and and teaching in order to set the house of God in order which is part of it um, January of 2014 and he asked me to do this before Ariel Sharon passed away but I didn't publish my first episode until after Ariel Sharon passed away, which is interesting because Rabbi Yitzhak Kadori, who saw Jesus Christ and testified of him, also talked about Messiah ben Joseph and told the people that Messiah ben Joseph would come on the scene shortly after the death of Ariel Sharon and that he would use social media and the internet to share his message and that at first the high and mighty would not believe him but only the meek and humble and then he goes on but anyway I didn't know that prophecy of uh, Yitzhak Kadori and I was lucky that I found out about it um, in 2014 because the Jews and the Christians have completely twisted that story and whitewashed it and everything else. So um, I tried to go back and find it, uh, find that evidence again, and I can't find it. But um, I asked uh, a man who flew out from Philadelphia in 
um, in the spring of 2014, and he wanted me to baptize him. And I said, uh, when he, I said, yeah, sure, okay, well, I'll pick you up at the airport, and we'll go down to the Jordan River, and we'll baptize you in the Jordan River. And it was like spring, so it was still really cold. And we found a place that the water was not still. It was flowing. But it was deep enough to where we could go in and baptize. But it wasn't so swift that, um, that you know, we'd get swept away. So anyway, we'd go down into the Jordan River and... I baptized him against the current and after the baptism we were talking and I said why did you why did you want me to baptize you he says you meet you meet the description of the prophecies and he talked about Yitzhak Kadori and he talked about um, the Dead Sea Scrolls where it gives an actual description of the last prophet Messiah Ben Joseph and uh, that's found in Cave 4, Dead Sea Scroll stuff. But anyway, the prophet of Qumran saw the, and listed the details of the last prophet. Anyway, so I understand because I have spent all of these years trying to share this message, how hard-hearted the people can be. And even those who know I am who I say I am, who have had a powerful witness of the Spirit that I am who I say I am, they are not obedient. They, their actions do not show that they're ready to listen, to hearken and obey, to Shema, which means to hearken and obey, which is required. And I don't want to be a tyrant or anything, but God told me to tell you to gather in 2016 and the only person that kind of gathered, gathered about 40 miles away from where Emory County is, up in Carbon County, because he was just going to do it his way, you know, like the Cain and Abel mindset. And, you know, to this point, I'm just, I don't care if people listen to me or follow me anymore. I only do this because God wants me to, as far as I'm concerned. You get what you get, and I feel sorry for you. And I think Joseph felt the same way during the end of his life, because he said, you know what, if my life is of no use to my friends, what is it of uh, to me? Luckily, I have these wonderful children, and my wife, and... For the most part, my health, with the exception of this coronavirus. I mean, I am in pain all the time, but I deal with it. But um, it's just been rejection upside one, uh, up one side and down the other with my message. And everybody's so prideful that they think that they're not astray and they can't be led astray. Or like my friend Paul, when my aunt and Paul were on the phone with me listening uh, to one of my old shows back in 2014. Paul wasn't sure what to think about things. My aunt knew I knew I was who I said that I am, but she wouldn't listen either. She wouldn't 
listened to my uh, counsel for her to move to this area. Um, well, to move down closer to me, whatever, but or anything else really, because she knows too much to be taught. But she did get that revelation. Well, God took everything away from her after that, and uh, her testimony of Jesus is completely gone. She doesn't even believe Jesus was Messiah anymore, which is weird because she claims to have seen him face to face, so I don't even know. But um, And then there's Joshua Sparks, like he saw the Father place his hands upon my head and heard what the Father said. And the Father told him specifically to go and do a specific work, and he didn't want to do it. And God cursed him for it, and he had a heart attack, and he almost lost his home and his family and a whole bunch of other bad things. And the last thing I heard from him was in 2020, he asked me, what has God told you about this pandemic? And then that's when I went to God and I asked about the pandemic, and that's when God told me that... Um, that the, the pandemic or the cure for the pandemic would be worse than the pandemic itself and warned me to tell people not to be taking the vaccines um, and the treatments for COVID. And you know what? I don't have any treatments for this COVID. I trust God that if he wants me to live, I will pull through. And if he wants to take your candlestick from out of your midst, which I am, then I will be taken from you. And that makes me sad because I want to stay. I want to be with my family and my wife, and I'm just, I don't want to leave. But I don't think Joseph wanted to leave either. But in the book of Revelations, it says, basically, if you don't repent, God will take his candlestick away from you. And the reason why he calls us candlesticks is because a candlestick has the light around the top of the candle. And it's the same thing with those of us who are the candlesticks of God. If you can see us spiritually, as some have, you will see a very bright light above and around our heads. And pretty much around our whole body, but especially our heads. That's what I've been told. I've never seen it, um, but people have seen it. Um, I think the first one was in 2012. And then there's been others since then. Oh, wait, no. The first one actually was when I was homeless before my conversion in 1996. I was homeless in San Francisco and I was hanging out at Pier 49, and this man came up to me, and I was like totally gothed out, just being homeless and being way rebellious. And I had a car to live in, so I wasn't, I was homeless, but it wasn't that bad. But anyway, but, um, I, uh, he came up to me and he says, You see spirits a lot, don't you? And I said, Well, yeah, because the veil's always been very thin for me. And he says, can I talk to you? And I was like, sure. And he says, I have a shop over here. Um, so, like, we can go sit down. Anyway, so we go sit down and he said, the reason why you see spirits a lot is because 
they're attracted to you. That there's a really bright light above and around your head, and they it's like a lighthouse to them. And then he said that he had a, a dream about me or a vision about me before he met me. I think it was the night before, but I couldn't remember. Anyway, I mean, this is 1995, almost. What was it, like 20? Ugh, my brain is swimming right now. So anyway, but um, it was a long time ago. Anyway, so uh, he said that that he saw a vision of me and that I would become a great prophet and I would be in the top of the mountains when the wars and riots destroyed this country and that everywhere was wars and riots but that the refugees would go into the top of the mountains and that I, I would be gathering them in the top of the mountains and I would become this great religious leader and prophet to these people. And I thought at the time, well, I'm goth. I hate God. Like, this is before my conversion. This is, I'm very angry because of all the crap that's happened to me. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And But I never forgot what this man told me. And I always thought it was weird, you know. And then that was in 96. Um my conversion to Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and Jesus Christ and the Father was in the in December of 1996 and then in 97 that's when I got my patriarchal blessing and my endowments and that's when I went on my mission it was pretty quick um all in all whatever I it's a hundred degree turn whatever anyway but in my patriarchal blessing, it says that you have been given the greatest gift that God has to bestow, the gift of eternal life. And when I asked the stake president and a patriarch about that, they said that it means that I have already had my calling and election made sure, which threw me through a loop. And I kept asking God, what does it mean to have your calling and election made sure? And I read everything I could on it. And wow, this is really getting off topic to the novel expositor, but here we go. Anyway, so I kept asking God what it meant to have your calling and election made sure, and how is it possible that somebody like me, a drug addict, you know, only a year before that, I was on drugs and homeless, how somebody like me with my sordid past can have my calling and election made sure. And God told me it's not because of who you are, it's because of who you were. And he left it at that. And I kept asking him and bugging him over and over for years and years and years, through my mission, after my mission, um, while I was a truck driver over the road for the first couple of years. And finally in 2003, as I was asking him again about this calling an election business and what it meant that I had, you know, had been given the greatest lift, uh, greatest gift that God has to bestow the gift of eternal life that's when I was taken up in the spirit well I was taken up in the flesh and I was taken to this place that I at first I thought maybe it was on the planet but I when I read it now I'm like oh clearly it wasn't because when I read it now it was what I wrote it down right after it happened and Jesus said when I was talking to him, he said, you will return to the earth. 
So, like, for a long time, I didn't realize he said that. And I thought, well, maybe it was somewhere on the earth. And I thought I knew where it was, but turns out that this is a Mount Vashel, where the city of Enoch is. And that on the top of the mountain of the house of God, or Mount Vashel, is the temple of the Father, and that's where I went to. And that's where I saw the Father face to face and embraced him in the flesh. And that's where I knelt before him and was sealed up unto him and to eternal life and given all of the keys of the kingdom. And Joshua Sparks saw that, and he was told to do specific work, and he just, I don't even know. I don't understand why these people that know know these things and have had such powerful witnesses fall away so easily. And I kind of get it to a point because I get worn out doing this too. But if I stop, the spirit withdraws from me and I hate that. So I want the spirit with me so I keep doing the job that God has asked me to do. Even though As far as I'm concerned, you guys get what you get. I'm almost to the point where I don't even care, and I know that's wrong. I know how much God loves you because I felt that love for you. But at this point, I'm just so far beyond caring anymore. I just, I don't even know. So maybe this is a selfish venture where I just want to keep the spirit that God withdraws from me when I don't do this but I don't know it is what it is anyway I think we're going to get back into more of this and uh, it'll probably just be another 10 minutes so and then we'll see what happens after that I don't know what's going to happen I've been sick all day and this snuck up on me so I'm trying to do somewhat of a recording but we're not even going to get through part of it I'll have to I'll just I'll do a recording later for tomorrow's program. It'll be better than what I did today. So anyway, the guest call-in number is is open. The lines are open. Anybody can call in if you have questions or comments. Um, anyway, the, the phone number is 917-889-8827. Okay, here we go. It is absurd for men to assert that all is well while wicked and corrupt men are seeking our destruction by perversion of sacred things. For all is not well, while whoredoms and all manner of abominations are practiced under the cloak of religion. Lo, the wolf is in the fold, arrayed in sheep's clothing, and is spreading death and devastation among the saints, and we say to the watchmen standing upon the walls, cry aloud and spare not. For the day of the Lord is at hand, a day cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. It is a notorious fact, that many females in foreign climes, and in countries to us unknown, even in the most distant regions of the Eastern Hemisphere, have been induced, by the sound of the Gospel, to forsake friends, and embark upon the voyage across waters that lie stretched over the greater portion of the globe, as they supposed, to glorify God, that they might thereby stand acquitted in the great day of God Almighty. But what is taught them on their arrival at this place? They are visited by some of the strikers, 
for we know not what else to call them, and are requested to hold on and be faithful, for there are great blessings awaiting the righteous. And that God has great mysteries in store for those who love the Lord, and cling to Brother Joseph. They are also notified that Brother Joseph will see them soon, and reveal the mysteries of heaven to their full understanding, which seldom fails to inspire them with new confidence in the prophet, as well as a great anxiety to know what God has laid up in store for them, in return for the great sacrifice of father and mother, of gold and silver, which they gladly left far behind, that they might be gathered into the fold, and numbered among the chosen of God. I just have to make a quick comment. I always find it interesting that people who know that I am who I claim to be are not like these saints of old who are willing to gather and go halfway across the world and leave everyone just to be where the prophet was. And I know that you can listen to my message all around the world, even in Antarctica, and not have to come here. But, and like, I'm a little bit selfish because I do enjoy my privacy. And I don't really want you here to tell you the truth. But it's not about what I want, it's about what God wants. And God has told me to tell people to gather here. You know, this is a place of safety, and that when this place becomes too dangerous, Emory County, Utah, that God has given me instructions on where to take us. And you know what? I've told people where that is, some people, but I'm just getting to the point where, you know what? If God wants you there, he'll lead you there. People who are here, I'll show you where it is. But... Even those people like Paul, or like my aunt, or Joshua, you know, they never left Idaho or Kentucky. You know, I had that one guy show up from Philadelphia. I've had people drive up from Arizona. I've had people come down from Idaho. I've had people come here uh, to this area to be baptized by me. But they never make the move to move to where I'm at to take their rightful place in the kingdom. People in the past would give up everything and go on voyages and trek across land through the elements, many dying before they even arrived, and then go through all sorts of persecution to remain with the saints. But today, it doesn't matter if people have a powerful witness that I am exactly who I say I am. They just, they don't want to, they don't want to do anything about it. And it's like the fundamentalists, a lot of them, they argue about all of the knowledge they have, but they don't do a lot about it. Like some do. I mean, there are united orders among the fundamentalists, but not many. You know, and there are, they love plural celestial marriage because they believe that's a thing, you know, but like they'll argue about everything else, but they don't do a whole lot of what God has asked them to do. You know, so I don't know. I just, I even have a friend who knows exactly who I am. And I've told him, you know, God's told me to tell everybody to gather here, but you should go and take it to the, to the Lord and t- 
and, you know, ask him where he should be. And he is where he is, far, far away from here. And uh, I haven't seen him here for two years. We're still friends. I talk to him every once in a while on the phone. He knows exactly who I am. Like, not even just the fact that I am the second witness of the Father. He knows exactly who I am. But he's not here. I even gave him um, permission to use part of my 10 acres to build his... He wanted to do these greenhouses and raise goats and whatever. And, like, we're raising goats already. So, like, why not? You know, and there's apartments in Huntington or Castledale or Farron or even up in, you know, Price that they're not that expensive. So what if he doesn't own land down here? He didn't own land where he lived up in Idaho. He doesn't even own land where he is now. He's leasing land from somebody else. But he had the opportunity to use my 26 shares of water and help me on this farm and live close by so that he could do the things that he felt God wanted him to do. And he's not here. And, you know, I know God eventually will put all this together. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know if the remnant's going to be 10 people or 100 people or 100,000 people. I have no idea. And you know what? In um, Isaiah chapter 49, it talks about how I lament. Because, like, it's all been for naught. And you know what? I know exactly why Isaiah said that about me. Because it is so tiring knowing that you're giving this witness day after day and sharing these things day after day and nobody gives a damn about it. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll play a little bit more of this and then, uh, then I'll have to get going to upload it. that they might be gathered into the fold and numbered among the chosen of God. <laughs> Dash, they are visited again. And what is the result? They are requested to meet Brother Joseph or some of the twelve at some insulated point or at some particularly described place on the bank of the Mississippi or at some room which wears upon its front positively no admittance. The harmless, inoffensive, and unsuspecting creatures are so devoted to the prophet and the cause of Jesus Christ that they do not dream of the deep laid and fatal scheme which prostrates happiness and renders death itself desirable. But they meet him, expecting to receive through him a blessing and learn the will of the Lord concerning them and what awaits the faithful follower of Joseph, the apostle and prophet of God, when in the stead thereof they are told after having been sworn in one of the most solemn manners, to never divulge what is revealed to them, with the penalty of death attached that God Almighty has revealed it to him, that she should be his, Joseph's, spiritual wife. For it was right anciently, and God will tolerate it again, but we must keep those pleasures and blessings formed the world, for until there is a change in the government, 
We will endanger ourselves by practicing it, but we can enjoy the blessings of Jacob, David, and others, as well as to be deprived of them, if we do not expose ourselves to the law and the land. She is thunderstruck, faints recovers, and refuses. The prophet damns her if she rejects. She thinks of the great sacrifice, and of the many thousand miles she has traveled over sea and land, that she might save her soul from pending ruin, and replies, God's will be done and not mine. The prophet and his devotees in this way are gratified. The next step to avoid public exposition from the common course of things, they ascend away for a time, until all is well, after which they return, as from a long visit. Those whom no power or influence can seduce, except that which is wielded by some individual feigning to be a god, must realize the remarks of an able writer, when he says, If woman's feelings are turned to ministers of sorrow, where shall she look for consolation? Her lot is to be wooed and want her heart is like some fortress that has been captured, sacked, abandoned, and left desolate. With her, the desire of the heart has failed the great sham of existence is at an end. She neglects all the cheerful exercise of life, which gladdened the spirits, quickened the pulses, and sent the tide of life in healthful currents through the veins. Her rest is broken. The sweet refreshment of sleep is poisoned by melancholy dreams. Dry sorrow drinks her blood, until her enfeebled frame sinks under the slightest external injury. Look for her after a little while, and you find friendship weeping over her untimely grave, and wondering that one who but so recently glowed with all the radiance of health and beauty, should so speedily be brought down to darkness and despair, you will be told of some winter chill, of some casual indisposition that lay her low. But no one knows of the mental malady that previously sapped her strength, and made her so easy a prey to the spoiler. She is like some tender tree, the pride and beauty of the grove graceful in its form, bright in its foliage, but with the worm praying at its heart, we find it withered when it should be most luxuriant. We see it drooping its branches to the earth, and shedding leaf by leaf until wasted and perished away, it falls in the stillness of the forest. And as we muse over the beautiful ruin, we strive in vain to recollect the blast or thunderbolt that could have smitten it with decay. Well, I think I've run out of time. Uh, one thing I'd like to say real quick is <clears throat> Joseph Smith did practice spiritual wifery. He was sealed to many women, and some of those women were already married. And this is uh, something that happens when people are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And there is a reason for that, and I've talked about that in the past. But the novel expositor, William Law, and these other people wouldn't have been flipping out about it if there was nothing to it. So maybe Brigham and Heber and Taylor and all these other guys didn't live it how they should have lived it. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. And these people who think that polygamy is an abomination are ignorant as all hell in any way. So the guest column lines are open. Call and argue with me if you're I don't care. Anyway, um, I'm going to upload this recording real quick. 
and then we'll start the program here in just 10 minutes. So anyway, um, and then I think that we'll just keep on going with this, uh, you know, uh, listening to this and me commenting on things. So thank you for listening, everyone. Guest caller number is 917-889-8827. Thank you for unmuting us. Yay. Yeah. So I'm sitting in the front room. I uh, don't like sitting straight up because my head feels like it's swimmy. (laughs) But I'm doing this anyway. So are you home yet? I am home. Sorry, I was checking on the goats, and Amadala was acting weird, so now we uh, had to get out and go see if she would come to us because she's not, she was not getting up. So she's she's looking she okay though. Is such uh, we're just faker. a drama queen. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she started bagging up yesterday. Oh, she did. Oh, good. Yeah, so, she so we did. have so two goats for the audience. We have two goats that are still pregnant. And Amidala has been pretending that she was going to give birth for like a month now. And we've been waiting, and she's such a faker. (laughs) She's my favorite faker. (laughs) Yeah. I like Murray, even though Murray is a bit of a stubborn pain in the butt. She is. She's in there right now. Can you hear them? Oh, yeah. The babies. They're making noises. Yeah. So are both of the newborns from last month playing them? Yeah, they were um, messing around, but Amadala was not liking them. Did you pull the hose up? Okay. Okay. We had to pull the hose out of there because it was in the way. Um, anyways, okay. so our male... All our males are now outside of there. Oh, oh no. Oh, we have another tragedy. And we didn't notice until right this second. Um, so, you know the feed bin? Yeah. Okay, so the feed bin that's on the side of the cage, Murray got into it, and she just butted <laughs> the thing off the top of it, and now she's trying to escape. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for 16-year-old boys. He's out there pulling up the stuff and putting it back on there. I'm surprised she hasn't knocked the can over and gotten into it all the way. Oh, I know. All of the things need to go back on top of there. Not just one. All of them. So before we get back into the reading... Um, we have the cinder block building in the back of our property, and it has a fence that goes in front of it. And we have put goat fencing over the top, like in an arch, so that they can't get out, but they still get out because they're goats. And goats are impossible, Houdinis, and whatever. So, anyway, but that's where we have the mama goats, and that's the maternity ward. 
and then we have a separate field for the goats when they're not giving birth and a couple of other kennels where we can separate uh, goats that are escapees. They like to go to our front yard and eat our lawn because that's the best, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, but Kim is back there in the maternity ward. <laughs> taking yeah. care of those mama goats. We're coming back goats. up now. <laughs> and okay. Emmett just was in and out of the cold, so he's having a little bit of an asthmatic, <laughs> yeah, like a cough right now. Sorry. That's what happens when you have did asthma give, and you go in and out of the cold. <laughs> did they give Emmett another COVID test? Or? No, they didn't do that. They did take his blood. Um, because <laughs> they were testing him. Well, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff they're testing him for, but it all has to do with the uh, diagnosis that we're pretty sure that we already nailed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It doesn't so have they to drew do with a bunch COVID. of vials out of him. Yeah. And so they're going to check for things. He asked if I wanted to um, do the whole workup on him to, you know, check all of the things. Um, he said the x-rays will make um, – it will make the insurance happy <laughs> if we do that first. But they're pretty sure that we need to also do the uh, MRI, too. So. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just going to mute you, and okay. I'm going to continue on. So we're at 18% through the Nauvoo Expositor. And I know you didn't okay. hear the first part of the program, but I just feel like doing a full-on reading tonight. So we're doing a little bit of a hybrid, going a little bit off topic. A lot of people have heard of the Nauvoo Expositor, but not very many people take the time to actually learn what was said. So we're just going over it. And it'll probably be a two-part program. I'm dying. Okay, so we'll and I can come in and help read, that. but I still have to do dinner, so there's that. Oh, don't worry about it. Um, we're just going to do it the way I've been doing it all to this point. So um, one thing. Um, so when I'm explaining things, sometimes I get years wrong. And I know I said 1996, I was homeless. And that uh, that's when I met that guy who could see the light around me and had a vision of me. And then I said 1995. It wasn't in 1995. It was in 1996. I'm sorry. Sometimes I say things because I've got all this stuff going through my head, and I'm trying to remember exactly how to put it. And sometimes I say things wrong, and I always catch it like when I listen to the program later after it's already uploaded to iTunes. But, and I'm like, oh, why did I say that? That's not what I meant. <laughs> it happens all the time. Arius is trying to show me his remote control for his monster truck. Olivia, um, Amberly, you need to leave me alone. Go away. Take Arius with you. Are you going to go eat some food? Mom's going to come in and feed you in a minute, Okay. Okay, you can stay in here and play with your toys, but you have to be quiet. I'm talking to my two-year-old and my seven-year-old. 
Amberly found a phone today and she wants to play on it. It's an old iPhone that we don't use anymore. Okay, anyway, I'm going to uh, start where we left off with this reader program thing, and then if I have something to say, I will uh, pause it and say something. Kim, I'm going to mute you. You'll be in the house, so if you want to say something, um, just come over to the phone that has an open mic, and we'll use this phone to talk. All right, so I'll mute you on your phone. You can still listen on your phone, but anyway, here we go. But no one knows the cause except the foul fiend who perpetrated a diabolical deed. Our hearts have mourned and bled at the wretched and miserable condition of females in this place. Many orphans have been the victims of misery and wretchedness through the influence that has been exerted over them under the cloak of religion and afterwards, in consequence of that jealous disposition which predominates over the minds of some, have been turned upon a wide world, fatherless and motherless, destitute of friends and fortune, and robbed of that which nothing but death can restore. Known solace themselves by saying the facts slumber in the dark caverns of midnight. But lo, it is sudden day, and the dark deeds of foul fiends shall be exposed from the housetops. The departed spirit, once the resident of Street, Louis, shall yet cry aloud for vengeance. It is difficult, perhaps impossible, to describe the wretchedness of females in this without wounding the feelings of the benevolent or shocking the delicacy of the refined. But the truth shall come to the world. The remedy can never be applied unless the disease is known. The sympathy, ever anxious to relieve, cannot be felt before the misery is seen. Dash the charity that kindles at the tale of woe can never act with adequate efficiency till it is made to see the pollution and guilt of men now buried in the death shades of heathenism. Dash shall we then, however painful the sight, shrink from the contemplation of their ill state? We answer, we will not, if permitted to live. As we have before stated, it is the vicious principles of men we are determined to explode. It is not that we have any private feelings to gratify, or any private pique to settle, that has induced us to be thus plain. For we can respect and love the criminal, if there is any hope of reformation, but there is a point beyond which forbearance ceases to be a virtue. The next important item which presents itself for our consideration is the attempt at political power and influence, which we verity believe. Okay, I'm going to have to restart that last part because they just went from talking about polygamy to this other thing. But before we get into that other topic, I wanted to say that those individuals who want to speak out about polygamy would be on the side of the people who wrote the Vietnam Expositor because they had the same feelings that you have about it, which Joseph Smith had a problem with because there was lies that they were spreading about what was going on, not only in this topic, but other topics as well. 
and they had power and authority in their voice and great eloquence and great, I don't know, emotion over the topic. And it didn't mean that they were true messengers of God. These individuals were not true apostles. I mean, I know they were ordained to that, but when um, Oliver Calgary and I think it was Oliver and Joseph, like set them apart, they told them, your office is not complete until Jesus Christ himself seals it upon you personally. And none of them have it. Not Brigham, not Sydney, not William, not any of them. And I don't know what to tell you. I just, this whole world is so full of gross darkness and the, and the enemy is so willing to take any little thread that is sticking out, pull on it, and rip it apart and try to destroy the tapestry of the truth of God. And some of you just go for it. People like William Law and these other guys that were writing the novel Expositor, I'm afraid most of you that fight against plural celestial marriage are on their side, not Joseph's. I know that you know that Joseph is a true prophet. They knew that Joseph was a true prophet as well. But they had to call him a fallen prophet, and they had to say all the stuff that God was revealing through Joseph Smith was wicked and evil, which is why Joseph didn't share it publicly, because he knew what the enemy would do. And on one side, you have these individuals saying that plural celestial marriage is such a horrible, evil thing. But then on the other side, you have these guys like that are like, well, let's go for it. Let's do everything that we're going to do. And even Joseph, even though Joseph was trying to tell, tell him to hold back, you know, try to give them correct principles, they just refused to listen because, you know what? If the devil can get into your mind that the prophet is wrong, then you don't have to listen to him anymore. Do whatever you want, which is one of the reasons why, among many other reasons, Jesus said in section 124, if you are not obedient, you will be rejected as the church with your dead. And we watched Revelation go from a faucet, an open faucet, from the windows of heaven down to a trickle, down to nothing. And Jesus said, all they who hinder this work, which included everybody in Nauvoo, would be cursed to the third and fourth generation, which was up to 160 years. The church was rejected in 1843. I think it was Lyman White that gave a talk about that before Joseph was taken. Of course, you're never going to find that in the Brighamite church because they don't want to accept that. They want you to believe that they are exactly who they say they are when they are not. They are not the Lord's anointed. They do not have the authority that they claim to have. None of the breakoffs that come out of Nazareth are 
authoritative. None of them had the Lord's anointed. None of them had the keys that they claimed to have. The fullness of the priesthood, according to Brigham Young, was given to him in the red brick store, which is weird because in section 124, Jesus tells them to build a temple whereby the Father, the Most High, can come to all therein that he might restore that which was lost unto you in that temple, not the red brick store. And it wasn't Joseph that was going to give it. It was the Most High who is the Father, not Jesus Christ. So sick of the lies that the adversary has weaved in through so many of your groups. And I'm speaking to the whole house of God. The church was rejected in 1843. And 160 years after the rejection, after the saints had been cursed to the third and fourth generation, did call a prophet up. And I am that man. And he laid his hands on my head and he set me apart to be the prophet that I am today. And I've talked about that ad nauseum. And just like Isaiah chapter 49 says, my first children are lost because I am Messiah Ben Joseph and you are my people. And because my first children will be lost, God will bring in other people. I don't know if they'll be Pentecostals or Methodists from India, because I do have a huge following in India and Pakistan. I'm not going to go there, but that's where, you know, a lot of these believers are coming from, probably the Philippines. But these North American saints and these European saints, that are too wise to be taught, they won't listen. Isaiah saw that. It's talked about in Isaiah chapter 49. All right, let's get into the next argument of these individuals who wrote this novel expositor. Just wanted to go over that last point. You know, you, you individuals, and I've tried over and over, and I've laid it out how God blessed polygamists. How God never condemned polygamy uh, other than living it unrighteously. There are examples of people living it unrighteously in the Bible, but there are also individuals who give examples of living it righteously. Like God never said that what those righteous individuals were doing was a sin. And the thing that angers me so much past the fact that I know why God allows this thing is that in order for you to destroy polygamy, you have to call three of the four wives of Jacob adulterous affairs. And the children that come from those three of the four wives of Jacob are bastards. Leah was the first one and the only legitimate one, according to you ignorant Gentiles. And I am so sick and tired of dealing with you ignorant Gentiles. And if that offends you, go to hell. 
fact, uh, in one of my Facebook groups, I've actually blocked two people from my group for saying that polygamy is a horrible, um, adulterous, evil, wicked thing that only evil, wicked, abomination, whatever men will try to practice, which is weird because you know what? Jacob was a polygamist before God appeared to him, and Jacob was a polygamist all the way to the end of his life, and Jacob will greet you at the gate and the judgment bar, and you'll be judged by that so noted of a polygamist as Jacob, who is in heaven. So apparently that horrible abomination didn't keep him out of heaven because even Jesus said he would be there. You know, and if you have such a horrible problem with polygamy, you're not in it for the truth. You are in it for a social club, and you can go to hell. So sick and tired of you people. The next important item which presents itself for our consideration is the attempt of political power and influence, which we verily believe to be preposterous and absurd. We believe it is inconsistent and not in accordance with a Christian religion. We do not believe that God ever raised up a prophet to Christianize the world by political schemes and intrigue. It is not the way God captivates the heart of the unbeliever, but on the contrary, by preaching truth in its own native simplicity and in its own original purity, unadorned with anything except its own indigenous beauties. As if they plead, he has been injured, abused, and his petitions treated with contempt by the general government, and that he only desires an influence of a political character that warrants him redress of grievances. But we care not faithful followers of Jesus must bear in this age as well as Christ and the apostles did anciently. Although a frowning world may have crushed him to the dust, although unpitying friends may have passed him by, although hope, the great comforter in affliction, may have burst forth and fled from his troubled bosom. Yet, in Jesus there is a balsam for every wound, and according to a swage and agonized mind. Among the many items of false doctrine that are taught the church, is the doctrine of many gods, one of the most direful in its effects that has characterized the world for many centuries. We know not what to call it other than blasphemy, for it is most unquestionably speaking of God in an impious and irreverent manner. It is contended that there are innumerable gods as much above the God that presides over this universe as he is above us. And if he varies from the law unto which he is subjected, he, with all his creatures, will be cast down as was Lucifer, thus holding forth a doctrine which is effectually calculated to sap the very foundation of our faith. And now, O Lord, Shall we sit still and be silent, while thy name is thus blasphemed, and thine honor, power, and glory brought into disrepute? See Isaiah C. 43, Vic 10, 44, 6-8, 45, 5, 6, 21, 22, and Book of Covenants, page 26 and 39. Okay, so I have to speak this too. So these ignorant men, they 
heard the King Fola discourse and what was being taught there, and they had such a huge problem with it because Isaiah talks about God the Eternal Father and how there are none that stand beside him. And that's true. Well, to a point. I mean, God the Eternal Mother and God the Eternal Father are one. They are one. There is none that stand beside them. You know, if you don't have scripture and the interpretation of scripture by revelation, you are going to be trapped in an apostate uh, Christian mind that doesn't understand the damn scriptures. I'm going to have to, like, make this an adult program, PG-13. <laughs> I, I don't know. And somebody said today, you, you shouldn't use idle words like the F-bomb. Guess what? Jesus used many words which were offensive to the people he was speaking to. And though he may not have had certain words that we use, he wasn't condemned for it. He lived a perfect life. This whole tradition about using certain words, they're idle words that he's talking about. Idle words are words that, like when my son tells me he's going to go do something, and that's an idle word. That's what you're judged by. Not for using a syllable a certain way or a, a group of letters a certain way. Because Jesus, he called them vipers. You know, a den of vipers, what else did he call them? Whited sepulchers. In his day, in the context of his culture and society, those were the most horrible things that you could hear. And the pious men and religious hypocrites of his day would have thrown him under the bus for it, and they did. And in our day, it might be me being, or me using words that you think are crosswords. But that is not what an idle word is. That is your pious, Victorian, Puritan crap that you, as your traditions, you think that, that you know, that this is what the scripture means without having any concept of the true interpretation of scripture. And I try to bite my tongue. Because I know so many people are cultural Mormons, but seriously, you can all go to hell with your stupid interpretations of scripture that have no revelation whatsoever. The only people who know the true interpretation of scripture is those who get it from God by revelation. And all of your traditions can Go to hell because that's where it's taking you. Anyway, so um, in Isaiah, it says that there is, um, well, God the Eternal Father speaking to Isaiah, and he says that there are no gods beside me. I know of not any. But the Elohim do exist. They are the mighty ones. And in our Gentile minds, in our pagan words, we use the word God to try to explain the Elohim. There is only one God, the Eternal Father. But the Elohim exist under his authority. And they who have achieved that level of exaltation in our vernacular are called gods. They are exalted ones. 
they are assisting in the work of God the Eternal Father to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of men and to fill the universe with his creation. They are co-heirs and heirs with the Father and the Son. And so when this ignorant fool who wrote this novel expositor up, when he heard something that he didn't like Joseph say, he flips out about it. Well, why in the hell should we have a restorational prophet if he's not going to restore stuff that had been lost? If it is not in your Christian Bible, it is because some ignorant fool has taken it out of the scriptures. And if Joseph Smith is restoring it as a prophet of God, it's because it needs to be restored. And for these ignorant, bite my tongue, these people to come and fight against Joseph is revealing that he himself has received from God the same things that I have seen personally because God has showed me all of these things and more than Joseph ever told you, then that's his right to restore those things. And if it goes against your ignorant Gentile minds and your ignorant Gentile traditions, so be it. You can go on the wide path that leads straight into hell and damnation because that's where you're going. Oh, and I'm sorry, if you're so pious that you can't hear this, you can go right along with them. Anyway, let's get into the next part. So we're at 24%, and we only have 45 minutes left on the live streaming portion of the radio program. Nobody is in the guest caller room, and nobody has said anything in chat. Chat room is open at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. The guest call in number is 917-889-8827. And he whose deeds are evil cometh not unto the light. That's you. All right, here we go. In the dark ages of poetry and bigotry, superstition and tyranny hold universal sway over the empire of reason there was some semblance of justice in the inquisitorial deliberations which however might have been dictated by prudence or the fear of consequences but we are no longer forced to appeal to those states that are now situated under the influence of popery for examples of injustice cruelty and oppression we can appeal to the acts of the inquisitorial deliberations which, however, might have been dictated by prudence or the fear of consequences, but we are no longer forced to appeal to those states that are now situated under the influence of popery for examples of injustice, cruelty and oppression. We can appeal to the acts of the inquisitorial department organized in Novu by Joseph and his accomplices for specimens of injustice of the most pernicious and diabolical character that ever stained the pages of the historian. It was in Rome, and about the 12th century, when Pope Innocent III ordered Father Dominique to excite the Catholic princes to extirpate heretics. But it is in this enlightened and intelligent 19th century, 
and in her view a place professing to be the nucleus of the world, that Joseph Smith has established an inquisition, which, if it is suffered to exist, will prove more formidable and terrible to those who are found opposing the iniquities of Joseph and his associates, than ever the Spanish Inquisitor did to heretics as they termed them. On Thursday evening, the 18th of April, there was a council called, and known to the church, which tried, condemned, and cut off brothers W.M. Law, Wilson Lord, and Sister Law, W.M.'s wife, brother R. D. Foster, and one brother Smith, with whom we are unacquainted, which we contend is contrary to the book of doctrine and covenant, for our law condemneth no man until he is heard. We abhor and protest against any council or tribunal in this church, which will not suffer the accused to stand in its midst and plead their own cause. If an aggregate would suffer a Paul, whose eloquence surpassed, as it were, the eloquence of men, to stand before him and plead his own cause, why should Joseph, with others, refuse to hear individuals in their own defense? Dash we answer, it is because the court fears the atrocity of its crimes will be exposed to public gaze. We wish the public to thoroughly understand the nature of this court and judge if the legality of its acts has seemed them good. Okay, so they're trying to say that they're like Paul with the eloquence of words and and that what Joseph did was worse than the Inquisition of the Spanish. Um, I don't think getting torn apart at the rack or uh, disemboweled or any of the other things that happened at the Spanish Inquisition. God damn these ignorant apostates. And they think that they're as eloquent as Paul. Paul had the spirit with them. Joseph tried to reach these individuals and speak to them privately and direct them away from the path that he saw them going. He had a full plate of apostasy one way with with Brigham and Heber and others, and I'm sorry, yeah, they did things in apostasy. They were doing land speculation. They were trying to get rich off the people. They were stealing the wood to build their damned mansions and their damned uh, Masonic lodges and all the other crap that they were doing and trying to live polygamy without having revelation to actually live it. And then on the other side, he had people attacking him because he was going to build a temple and he was taking tithing of the people. And uh, there was this thing called plural celestial marriage, which by revelation is not an abomination. And all these other things. And he was trying to work with all these people to bring it all together, but the people just wouldn't listen. And I have learned through sad experience that trying to direct Ephraim is like hurting cats. And that is exactly what Joseph had to deal with. And I don't blame him for turning his butt around and going to Carthage willingly. Because he was sick and tired of it. And the church he knew had already been rejected. That's why Emma never came out west with Brigham. She knew that the church had been rejected. They tried to organize and keep some of the stuff alive with the community of Christ, which was called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But even that fell apart. 
and the Brighamite church is no better. They went so far off in a different direction, and there's a lot of truth found, but they're rejected. They have been rejected since 1843. And Jesus said that they would be rejected in January of 1841 if they were not obedient, and they were not. Did you have something to say? Yeah. Hey, my wife wants to say something. I don't want it to be louder than with my mic, so I'm just going to use your mic, okay? Um, okay, so I just wanted to say a few minutes ago that I know it sounds so familiar to you, all of this stuff, because it's exactly like what it is today. It's like hurting cats. It doesn't work. Um, and the thing is, everybody wants to point their fingers at all of these people, um, you know, who lived back then, and they couldn't do it. You know, it's hard because we don't step out of that mindset that it's us. It's, you know, things happened in the past. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. Church was rejected. Um, you know, they did the things they weren't supposed to do. So they blame them for all the things that they did, but why aren't we fixing it? Because putting the blame on somebody else is not going to fix anything. We just need to see, you know, our own self. What is it that we need to do? What is it that we could do to make this better? How can I help? What do you need me to do, God? Because if you are as passionate as, you know, my husband is about this and about, um, you know, the kingdom of God being on earth as it is in heaven and science redemption, doing all of this, we have to look to ourselves. It's part of us. We are part of that, that renewing and part of that, um, you know, getting back together again and going towards God. But as a group like Zion, like um, the city of Enoch, like, um, like they've been tried in the past. But again, something's happening right now. And again, we are hardcore failing because it, it's a message that is brought and then it is, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it just falls on deaf ears. Well, and even when you do, um, when you do understand and you know, you know the words are true, you feel it, you know that you've prayed about it to God and he has given you your own personal revelation. And then you say, wow, that's great. That's amazing. And then wake up the next morning and do the same thing that you did the day before and sooner or later become numb to the truth that you were given. And it just falls on deaf ears. And I'm pretty sure that God, you know, wants to help us. He wants to help everybody. He wants us to be one. He wants us to hear and to listen. Um, he still holds out hope. He's reaching his hand out. But people just damn themselves into the state that they're in because they choose to um, trust in the arm of flesh. They choose to um, ignore the promptings that they're given. Uh, I know that it's hard. I, I know that life is hard. I've been through life. It's hard. <laughs> it's difficult down here to know all the truths of things. But I do know that without fail, God has never failed me. He's always been there for me when I have asked him. And he can also give you revelation if you ask him. And we could redeem Zion. We could do this all together. But it has to be a goal in your own heart. Anyways, that's what I wanted to say. Sorry about interrupting. That's fine. Well, under the same condemnation that they were in 1832 because we treat the things of God lightly, which includes the former revelations which can be found in the New and the Old Testaments. Jesus said, I have not come to do away with one jot or tittle of the law. The law was given to Moses and that was a foundation upon which higher laws were built. 
but we just ignore it and reject it. Christians do it. We do it. So, and like I was, I've said in the past, you know, I asked God, what about these? And I was talking about these Christians and these Catholics. And he said they damn themselves to their own disbelief. They have put me in a box. And because they refuse to believe anything outside of that box, that they damn themselves. And God wants to give them so much, but he can't. Because they have hardened their hearts and they will not hear, which is the same that the Latter-day Saints are doing, and they're under the same condemnation. Okay, let's hear what these self-righteous individuals have to say. We're at uh, 27%. There still is nobody in the chat room because deeds are evil cometh not unto the lie. I'm going to be a jerk about it, but it is what it is. I've been doing this. Well, it'll be 10 years which got, when God put me on this path to begin with. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't even know. Anyway, here we go. On Monday, the 15th of April, Brother Road Foster had a notice served on him to appear before the High Council on Saturday following the 20th and answer to charges preferred against him by Joseph Smith. On Saturday, while Mr. Foster was preparing to take his witnesses, for Ellen number, to the council room that he might make good his changes against Joseph, President Marx notified him that the trial had been on Thursday evening before the 15th and that he was cut off from the church. And that same council cut off the brother laws, sister law, and brother Smith, and all without their knowledge. They were not notified, neither did they dream of any such thing being done, so William Law had sent Joseph and some of the twelve special work that he decided an investigation before the church or general conference on the 6th of eight single quartel. The court, however, was a tribunal possessing the power to try WM. Law, who was called by special revelation, stand as counselor to the president of the church. Joseph, which was twice ratified by general conferences, assembled at Novue, for Brigham Young, one of the twelve, presided, whose duty it was not but the president of the High Council Sea Book of Doctrine and Covenants, page 87. Resolutions resolved LST that we will not encourage the acts of any court in this church for the trial of any of its members, which will not suffer the accused to be present and plead their own cause. We therefore declare our decided disapprobation to the course pursued last Thursday evening, the 18th inst, in the case of William and Wilson Lord and Mrs. William Lord and Road Foster as being unjust and unauthorized by the laws of the church and consequently null and void. For our Lord judgeth no man unless he be heard, and to all those who approbate a cause so unwarranted, unprecedented and so unjust, we would say beware lest the unjust measure you meet your brethren, be again mitted out to you. Resolved second, inasmuch as we have for years borne with the individual follies and iniquities of Joseph Smith. Okay, I do have to say something about that. 
excommunication should have a trial unless God commands those individuals to be excommunicated beforehand without a trial. Um, With myself, God instructed me after I had worn myself out pleading with Samuel Schaefer and John Colthorpe, God told me to sever them and have nothing further to do with them. And that was in July of 2016 or 17, I can't remember right now, but I didn't know what depravity had come into the minds of these two individuals. I knew that they had been going down a dark road. I knew that Samuel had been a seer and that Joseph Smith said that if they lose or if they fall, they'll keep the gift of seership, but they will receive revelation from a bad source. And I tried to work with, with Samuel so much and with John too even though I always knew John was a Judas goat but when they presented a certain revelation to me trying to like make me feel like I was already an exalted God and that I was reincarnated Enoch and reincarnated Enoch and all this stuff and like just the threats that came along with them, I asked God. I took the information that they gave me, the revelations that they had written down, and I prayed about it. And even though I felt like I just felt that they were wrong, I tried to believe that they were right because that's how I do it. I want to have a believing heart, and I want to take things to God and revelation from him before I am certain about anything. And so I did, and God told me to sever them, and I severed them without a trial. Joseph tried to work with these other men, and they were so high and mighty in their own mind with their, we're more elegant than Paul, you know, and all the crap that they did, and they would not be corrected. So I don't know if Joseph just had them excommunicated without a trial or not. But they had already heard from these men. They had already tried to correct these men. And if God had given Joseph revelation to cut them off, then that's exactly what they deserved, was to be cut off without a trial. Because they would not repent, and they would continue to go on and create this Nauvoo expositor and try to, like, you know, put division in the, uh, among the saints And I don't know. It is what it is. You know, good. They should be cut off. They are cut off. Not only were they cut off from the church, but they were cut off from the land of the living at at one point. And they are in purgatory or whatever. I'm not, not in purgatory, but you know what I mean? They're not in God's kingdom. They became enemies of God. They became Judas goats. And they deserve to be damned and to be separate and single because that's that's the choice of their reward or that's the reward of their choices. Anyway, we're at 30%. We still don't have anybody in the call screening room or the chat room because he whose deeds are evil cometh not unto the light. (laughs) 
All right, let's get into this. Result second, inasmuch as we have fears born with the individual follies and iniquities of Joseph Smith, Hiram Smith, and many other official characters in the Church of Jesus Christ, conceiving it a duty incumbent upon us so to bear, and having labored with them repeatedly with all Christian love, meekness and humility, yet to no effect, feel as if forbearance has ceased to be a virtue, and hope of reformation vain, and inasmuch as they have introduced false and damnable doctrines into the church, such as a plurality of gods above the god of this universe, and his ability to fall with all his creations, the plurality of wives, for time and eternity, the doctrine of unconditional sealing up to eternal life, against all crimes except that of shedding innocent blood, by perversion of their priestly authority, and thereby forfeiting the holy priesthood, according to the word of Jesus, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Street, John, XV.6. <laughs> That's uh, St. John, chapter 15, verse 6. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that abideth in Godspeed is a partaker of his evil deeds. We therefore are constrained to denounce them as apostates from the pure and holy doctrines of Jesus Christ. <laughs> These guys read these scriptures and think it applies to them when it does apply to them just in the reverse of what they think. I have something else to say, and I'm about to lay some smack down on some individuals, and I like them, but some of them are getting pretty damn haughty about the doctrine of Christ and the whole, if you don't get the baptism of fire, then you're going to be damned for all eternity and all this and that. Well, I seem to remember Peter saying, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And then it talks about them receiving the Holy Ghost after they have been baptized, after they have walked through the gate. And these individuals, they argue on my groups. One of my main groups is LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussion. And I've been watching these individuals argue with other people about how they're not going to be saved because they haven't received the baptism of fire and all of this. You know, um, I am pretty sure that if it contradicts former revelation, for instance, Peter telling them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Well, I think that that was a gate that you should enter, you know, and you should work at coming closer to God, seeking revelation, seeking his face, you know, studying the scriptures, and in time you will receive the baptism of fire and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But just because you've received it and other people haven't because they're not far along on the path as you, doesn't mean you have the right to judge them and tell them they're going to be damned 
because you don't agree with them or you feel like the pride that you've had them. And that's one of the reasons why God doesn't appear to man. That's one of the reasons why God doesn't give you these higher blessings. You're lucky if he does, but if he does and you fall into the sin pride over that, you're condemned already. You can fall. Lucifer fell. He was a god. He had his name and title of the light bearer or the bearer of light and truth stripped from him for his pride and his rebellion. And he was greater than you when he fell. And he fell. And you can too. I wish people would just be a little bit more humble. I do enjoy listening to these people that make a good case for a lot of what they talk about, but on key points of doctrine, they're Judas goats as well. And they know that, uh, that the Davidic servant is listening to them. I've heard them on their phone calls get open revelation in live time where they have uh, received revelation that, yes, the Davidic servant is listening, and he is not a leader among them, but that he is directing the conversation. And they don't know who it is, and some of them actually do know that I am who he is. But I can only say so much among them because they'll argue with me like they argued with Joseph. You know, I I am so thankful knowing all that Joseph had to deal with when he was up on the earth that I don't have to deal with the crap that he had to deal with. In the fact that I can preach my message, God has given us this wonderful World Wide Web and the satellite technology to transmit it all over the world, all at once, you can hear my voice. My voice is sprinkling the earth right now in live time. As I am sharing this message with you, while I sit here in my home in Emory County, and part of the reason I don't want you here is because I know how it was when Joseph had to deal with having those people around him. And I've already dealt with Judas goats, people who knew that I am who I say I am, who were true prophets, seers, and revelators, who fell and became my enemies. And so part of me not wanting to invite you here is because I don't want you to be here, because I'm, I don't want to deal with what Joseph had to deal with. And I know eventually there will be a group of people that we lead into the wilderness, into the highways at the top of the mountains, and into the desert places where it says Isaiah saw Zion being born. But I'm glad that I am able to be here as a 44-year-old man with my family and my farm and my job in a county where most people don't know who I am. And that you don't do what God has asked you to do. And I've told you what he's asked you to do. I am his anointed and appointed. 
was smart, you would gather here, but you do what you do. You got to stay where your family is. You got to stay where you feel comfortable. It's too much of a, a hard deal to pack up some stuff and know, you know, whatever. Everybody has to deal with the consequences of their actions. All right, we're 32% done. We have 15 minutes left in the live streaming portion of the radio program. I am watching the studio. You can call in, ask me questions, give me statements, argue with me, ask me what I mean about this, that, or the other. I've been open all these years. I mean, I started with the kingdom of God or nothing in January of 2014. And then after the whole debacle with Colthorpe and Schaefer, Schaefer, I I switched to Fundamentally Mormon to a more narrow uh, audience. But this number has not changed in all of these years. And it's kind of weird that the only people that call in are Christians who happen to cap who happen to listen to the show live, and then they call and they argue with me. And you know what? I welcome them calling too. But the people I'm trying to reach, they don't ever call. They ask me questions behind the scenes, like Nicodemus went to Jesus in the middle of the night. You know, they they message me on Messenger, ask me questions there, but like, I don't want to type out my answers. I would rather just speak. I would rather that you just call. But like I said, whose deeds are evil come up not into my life. Resolve third, that we disapprobate and discountenance every attempt to unite church and state and that we further believe the effort now being made by Joseph Smith for political power and influence is not commendable in the sight of God. Resolved forth that the hostile spirit and conduct manifested by Joseph Smith and many of his associates towards Missouri and others inimical to his purposes are decidedly at variance with the true spirit of Christianity and should not be encouraged by any people, much less by those professing to be the ministers of the gospel of peace. Resolved fifth, that while we disapprobate malicious persecutions and prosecutions, we hold that all church members are alike amenable to the laws of the land, and that we further discountenance any chicanery to screen them from the just demands of the same. Resolved sixth, that we consider the religious influence exercised in financial concerns by Joseph Smith as unjust as it is unwarranted, for the Book of Doctrine and Covenants makes it the duty of the bishop to take charge of the financial affairs of the church and of all temporal matters pertaining to the same. Resolved seventh, that we discountenance and disapprobate the attendance at houses of reveling and dancing, cram shops and theatres, Verily believing they have a tendency to lead from paths of virtue and holiness to those of vice and debauchery. Resolve 8. That we look upon the pure and holy doctrines set forth in the... So the fact that they had places where they could gather together and have social 
meetings and dances and plays, that was debauchery to these high and mighty elders who knew too much to be taught. Even though Joseph Smith didn't have a problem with it, oh, but they're not the Lord's anointed. Joseph Smith was, but they think that they have some kind of authority over him. You know, they should have been humble enough to go to him and put away their pious, Puritan, Victorian traditions, but they couldn't do it. So they're going to use that as one thing to attack Joseph with. It's a shame. Result 8, that we look upon the pure and holy doctrines set forth in the scriptures of divine truth as being the immutable doctrines of salvation. And he who abideth in them shall be saved, and he who abideth not in them cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Resolve 9, that we consider the gathering in haste, and by sacrifice, to be contrary to the will of God, and that it has been taught by Joseph Smith and others for the purpose of enabling them to sell property at most exorbitant prices, not regarding the welfare of the church, but through their covetousness they reducing those who had the means to give employment to the poor, to the necessity of seeking labor for themselves. And thus the wealth which is brought into the place is swallowed up by the one great throat, from whence there is no return which if it had been economically dispersed amongst the whole would have rendered all comfortable. Okay, I kind of agree with them a little bit in part. Although, Jesus Christ told us to gather in the doctrine over and over and over again. And I think they had a problem with that. So I I guess they had a problem with Jesus, not Joseph. But where they had a problem is the same thing that Joseph had a problem with. If the leaders of the church were doing things, they were buying up land for, for pennies on the dollar and selling it to these poor saints that were coming in and getting rich off the backs of the poor. That's how Brigham had a mansion. When Joseph was murdered, the second wing of Joseph's mansion was being built. Told them to stop doing that and they would not listen. That was not Joseph Smith's fault. But that was part of the apostasy that was happening among the other members of the church, especially the leadership, who were getting rich off the backs of the poor. And it continued into the Salt Lake Valley. And it is why Brigham Young had the best of everything that he could have. Go to the Lion House today in downtown Salt Lake and take a gander at what Brigham had. When he died, his finances were so tied up within the church that they didn't know which was the church and which was his. He used the church to make himself rich. Joseph did not. He told them to stop. He warned them over and over and over again to stop, and they just wouldn't listen, which is part of the reason why Jesus said, If you don't do what I say, you will be rejected as a church with your dead. Thus saith the Lord. Period. End of story. They didn't do what they were told to do. They were disobedient. Not only the laws, but Brigham and Heber and all the rest of them. 
And he told them, if you don't do what I say, you'll be rejected as a church with your debt. And they were in 1843. And the prophet or the candlestick of God was taken from among them. And he was not allowed to complete his work because of the apostasy and the arrogance and the wickedness and the great iniquity of the leaders and the members of the church in Nauvoo. You have been sold a bill of goods with your so-called line of authority and your keys that you think Brigham got somehow at the red brick store. That is not where God said or Jesus said that the fullness of the priesthood would be restored. He said it would be restored in a built and dedicated temple. That's in DNC section 124. It was given January 18, 1841. And they did not finish it. It never was finished. The Shekinah glory of God that came upon the Kirtland temple, which showed that it was accepted, it never happened in Nauvoo. No angel came to the Nauvoo temple. Jesus Christ himself did not come to that temple. And as Jesus said, build a temple whereby the Most High can come dwell therein, that he might restore that which was lost unto you, or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. The Father himself did not come to that temple either. And it was the Father who was to restore the fullness of the priesthood. Now, question. I think we're going to be done with the program for today. We're at 35%. We're on resolved 10th. I'll have to get into it later. But in order to come into the presence of the Father, whether you are a man or a woman, you cannot come into the presence of the Father without the Melchizedek priesthood. These individuals who are claiming that the Melchizedek priesthood was taken off the earth, Jesus said that the church would be rejected, but that priesthood still remained. They were in a fallen and cursed state, but they went, you know, in their different branches of Mormonism, and they have been doing some of the work of God. There is truth in the Book of Mormon. It still had to go forth for the whole earth, which it has. But in order for the fullness of the priesthood to be, to be restored, it had to be restored by the Father. Well, you have to have the Melchizedek priesthood to come into the presence of the Father. I don't know if you know this or not, but there is such a thing as patriarchal and matriarchal priesthood, which is Melchizedek. Both men and women have to have the Melchizedek priesthood to come into the presence of the Father. Period. End of story. The Melchizedek priesthood was not taken away from them at the Isaac Morley farm in 1832 or 1835 or whenever these individuals say that it was. The fact of the matter is, all priesthood is Melchizedek, from the lowest to the highest. And the highest can only be obtained after you have received the priesthood by someone who has been given it in a line of authority from man to man or man to woman, And then when you have proved yourself faithful, God seals that Melchizedek priesthood upon you and you have received the fullness of the priesthood under the physical hand of the Father. Could not have seen the Father's face unless I had Melchizedek priesthood. 
and I did see him face to face. And no man and no woman can come into the presence of the Father without having the Melchizedek priesthood, which has a patriarchal and a matriarchal side. My wife has matriarchal priesthood because God gave me the keys and the authority to give it to her, and he told me to give it to her. And at the time, I didn't even realize that that could be a thing, which is kind of funny because when God told me to sever the ordinances of all the people on the earth, I didn't know that that was a prophecy either, but it's in Daniel chapter 12. He does that. He gives me information, and then he will lead me to the stuff he was talking about. It's kind of like he'll tell me something, and then he'll, like, lead me to where to go to to see that somebody else talked about it. You know, I'm not relying upon studying to find this stuff and then taking it to God. I mean, that is sometimes the way I do it. But a lot of times when it's really important, God gives me the information and then he leads me to where it is. Because he wants me to know it's from him. The fullness of the priesthood can only be given by the Father himself. And he wanted to give it to the saints in Nauvoo if they would just repent and turn to him and build that temple where he could come personally among them to give them the fullness. And they could not have entered into that temple where he was or where he would have been if they didn't have the Melchizedek priesthood. So this whole idea that even before the revelation was given in 1841, that somehow they lost the Melchizedek priesthood is poppycock. It is interpretation of scripture without revelation. And if some angel told you otherwise, then you need to question that angel because it is a lie straight from hell to confuse the masses. And you are only a Judas goat. And the individual that I'm talking about and the individuals that I am talking about, I've tried to speak to them and they just refuse to hear And the only reason I haven't cursed you yet is because God wants you to be a Judas goat. He would rather that you repent, but because you're hard in your heart and in your mind and you think you know more than everybody else, then you make yourself into a tool, a Judas goat. And beyond that, I don't even know what to say. We're at 35%. 33 minutes and 41 seconds into reading the novel Expositor. I guess I have to say that uh, I am grateful that my blood got worked up today because, like, I was lethargic before the program and my head was swimmy and it still is a little bit, but I get worked up and I'm just sick of it because I was so excited when God told me to do what he's asked me to do because I was ignorant because I thought that maybe it'll be different this time. But just as Joseph found out and just as I found out, hurting Ephraim is like hurting cats. 
Anyway, Kim, did you text me? Kim? I'm going to check this. I think I got... Well, let me check my messenger. I think somebody said something. Oh, it's just somebody... Um, I asked him why he was kicked out of the doctrine of group, uh, doctrine of Christ group. This individual says they kicked me because I got upset with one of their admins called Pure Revelations, a deceived New Age Luciferian, and I challenged them on it. I didn't name call. I also removed that guy from the pure revelations group. So as long as you don't give one of them the boot, you're good. Oh yeah. There's anybody else that said anything since, you know, maybe people did respond on the Facebook posts. So I have posted all of these. Um, I post every day when I'm about to go live, try to do an hour before, two hours before, but we go live. Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. But uh, let's see here. Oh, oh, I got to tell you. Okay, so I was bored today, and I was downstairs laying on the couch. All of my kids are in quarantine. Two of them have covid probably three. We know that myself, my wife, my 16-year-old son, and my 13-year-old daughter have all tested positive for COVID. So, but they're not that sick, right? I'm probably the sickest among them. My son Emmett was pretty sick, but he got diagnosed with positive like a week ago or something like that. I think it was a week ago. Anyway, so they're just like lounging around the house, not doing anything and making messes as kids want to do. And so I was like, okay, I can't just let them trash the house all day long. And then my wife comes home and she's upset because like we do try to keep our house clean, but I have kids. (laughs) Anyway, so I came down, I was laying on the couch and um, like a year ago, my aunt sent me a genealogy that talks about my line of or my line of genealogy that goes back to Charlemagne, which goes through the kings and queens of Scotland. And so I'm looking at the genealogy and I'm looking at these people and I'm like, well, who's this guy and who's that guy? Well, I get on the internet and I type in you know, the names of these kings and queens, and I find this channel about Scotland. So I turn on this thing about uh, King David the First or King David the Simple, who I am related to, so I can find out about who he is. And I'm sitting there listening to it as I'm, like, laying on the couch and telling my kids, pick that up, take that there, pick this up, take that there, clean the dishes, clean up your mess. 
um, I'm looking at the genealogy today, and I realize that my family immigrated from Essex, England, to America and settled in Connecticut in 1580. Well, I thought my wife was pretty awesome because her family came here on the Mayflower, but I didn't know when that was. I thought they were here before my family was here. Well, it turns out the Mayflower landed at Plymouth Rock in 1620, so my family had been here for 40 years before they even stepped foot on the continent. Are you going to argue with me? Oh, do you hear what I'm saying? Uh, I'm just telling everybody about how my family was here 40 years before your family got here. What'd you say? She's laughing. No, you <laughs> Kim's all, we were the chosen people. We came first. Uh, yeah, 40 years after the most chosen came. <laughs> but I actually have to like recant a little bit on that because my wife is Kapach, which is either Apache or Comanche or something like that. She can't remember. But my family is Iroquois from the Seneca Nation. So in reality, my family was here when my family got here. So we both have been on this continent as far as our ancestors go for a very long time. But our European ancestors didn't show up until 1580 for me. And then the Slowpokes didn't get here until 1620, which my wife, um, okay, so my wife's great, 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 whatever uncle was the captain of the Mayflower. And his brother was my wife's great, great, great grandpa, or whatever it is. And the captain of the Mayflower did not have any children, but the other guy did. So she's related to him. Her dad's name is Carver. Direct descendants. I think it was John Carver who was the captain of the Mayflower. Cam? Cam? Come here. I, I have a question for you. Olivia cannot answer a question I need to answer from your lips. Uh, she can't. Is it John Carver that was the captain of the Mayflower or the grandpa? Okay, so John Carver's her great, great, whatever uncle and first mayor of Plymouth Rock and all that. So, All right. So anyway, I guess that's just the end of the program for today. Um, We'll see how I feel tomorrow. I am actually burning up right now, and my head is still swimmy. And luckily, the Mucinex has been working to keep the crap out of my head, which is it's doing a pretty good job. And all of the other things that I'm taking that the doctor gave me and my wife has given me seems to be doing a pretty good job. But we'll see how I feel tomorrow, and hopefully I don't get worse. So... That I trust God no matter what happens. All right. So, and as usual, nobody's in, and nobody said a word in the chat. It's weird because it's always open. All right. Well, I'll uh, play the music and we'll get into the uh, 
ending the the program. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening at least. I do appreciate that much. So anyway, here we go. Thank you.